Today's scripture is Mark 1, verses 35 to 45. Please stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went through all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We're making our way through Mark, and uh, so far we have seen uh, Jesus on the move. Jesus uh, went out to the wilderness where John the Baptist had been baptizing people, and he himself was baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. And then from there he went out into the wilderness and was tested for 40 days uh, by Satan. And then he came back and he was on the move proclaiming the gospel. He was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And then he went and was preaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And he healed uh, Peter's mom in her home in Capernaum. And then had that, we saw this last week, that, that late night of healing and casting out demons um, for those who uh, were all being brought, the whole town, as it were, being brought to <clears throat> Jesus outside Peter's house. And now, in our text this morning, after a long night of ministry, Jesus is on the move again. And the reason why is because he came to proclaim the kingdom. In verse 38, which we just had read, you know, there's some question of whether when he says, that is why I came out, it could also be that is why I came. Is he talking about came from heaven to earth, or came out of Capernaum into the wilderness. Either way, the point is he is on the move because he has a gospel to proclaim, the kingdom of grace that he wants to be able to and is uh, here to tell people about. Everyone is on the move in this passage. Jesus out of Capernaum, uh, the, the disciples on the move out of Capernaum chasing after Jesus, the, uh, the lepers on the move toward Jesus, and the lepers on the move back into the town, and then all the town is on the move out toward Jesus. It's because the kingdom of God is a movement of grace. It is a movement compelled by the grace of God. It is a movement that is itself an offer of the grace of God. And the good news that good news about the grace of God is on the move even now to the ends of the earth. It began with Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, but that proclamation, that offer of the gospel continues to go out to this very day. And so, you know, two questions. Is the grace of God on the move within you? 
And is the grace of God on the move through you? It so often feels like nothing is ever going to change in our lives. If you are not a Christian believer and you're here this morning, you may feel right now as though your search for meaning has been long and it's been fruitless. You've been on the move. You're tired, perhaps despairing, but you haven't been on the move toward God for His grace. And and my prayer is that this morning will be the day that you move toward God for grace. If you are a Christian and you've begun to experience God's grace in your life, that may seem like a distant memory. You feel as though there are vast regions of your heart that are never going to change. You've tried. You spent years on the treadmill of behavior, modification, thinking it was the key to your sanctification, when in reality, your sanctification, your growth in God's grace is itself the result of the ongoing movement of grace in you. The leper moves toward Jesus in this passage for grace. In an entirely different way, Jesus moves toward his heavenly Father for grace. And both Jesus and the leper move towards others with grace. The gospel's on the move. So what do we learn about the movement of grace from this passage? And the fact of the matter is both the leper and Jesus teach us a great deal of what it, about what it looks like for grace to be on the move to you and through you. And so the two points we're going to look at this morning from this text are simply this. We're going to look at the movement toward God for grace and then the movement toward others with grace. With both of these, we're looking at both the leper and Jesus, but first, the movement toward God for grace, and then second, the movement toward others with grace. But first, let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, as we look at this text that you have preserved for us down to this very day, we ask that by your Spirit you would teach us. We ask that by your Spirit you would change us. We ask that by your Spirit, where there is need for healing, you would heal us. And we ask that you would draw us closer to yourself and enable us, O God, to drink deeply of your grace and by your grace be compelled to move toward others with it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So first, the movement toward God for grace. What do the leper and Jesus teach us about moving toward God for grace. So let's look first at the leper and the way the leper moves toward God for grace. Look at verse 41 and 42. Let's start at verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And then verse 41, move with pity, he, that is Jesus, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. So leprosy, a catch-all term for skin diseases in that time, debilitating, decaying skin diseases that rendered this man unclean and cut off from his community, cut off from his family, cut off from his people. A leper was forced to live outside the city, was forced to live in isolation. You can read uh, Leviticus 13 and you'll read all about these rules. 
these regulations. A leper was forced to live outside the city in isolation. He had to, he had to remain 50 paces or more away from other people. No one could approach within 50 paces. He had to wear torn clothes and keep his hair unkempt. And I'm guessing that was so that people from a distance could see who this person was. But if anyone should begin to approach him, the leper was instructed to cover the bottom of his face, kind of cover his mouth, and shout out, unclean, unclean, in order to warn the person that was approaching. He was cut off from God. He was cut off from community. He himself, of course, was not to approach anyone. And so, therefore, we marvel at the movement of this leper toward God for grace. Now, I say toward God for grace. Why would I say that? Well, of course, you know, we've, we've already established from the text, uh, from Gospel of Mark, that Jesus knew who he was. He knew he was the Son of God. Did the leper know that? Hard to know. As a Jewish man, the leper knew, as every other Jewish person knew, that only God could heal leprosy. So whether or not this leper knew that he was in fact approaching God for healing, it is no less true that in approaching Jesus, he was in fact moving toward God for grace. There's a real spiritual parallel here. There's a real parallel between the man's surface leprosy, his skin leprosy, and our leprosy that is our sin. Warren Wearsby, the pastor and and theologian, wrote this concerning Leviticus 13 and leprosy. He said, when you read the tests for leprosy in Leviticus 13, you can see how the disease is a picture of sin. Like sin, Leprosy is deeper than the skin. Like sin, leprosy spreads. Like sin, it defiles and it isolates. Now, you may be here this morning with a profound sense of your spiritual leprosy. There may be some standard that you've had and that most of your life you've kept, you've not crossed that line And you thought, if I can just not do that thing, I'll still be pretty clean. But you're here and you've crossed that line, maybe this past week, and you know profoundly that you're unclean. You haven't haven't kept your own standard, let alone what you may know or sense of God's perfect standard. And you know yourself to be unclean. You feel yourself to be cut off. Cut off from God, certainly. Maybe you've been cut off from friends and family, or maybe you've isolated yourself. Maybe you feel like there's no one that you can talk to about this filth that you feel. But you're here this morning. Jesus is here by his spirit and through his word. Will you move toward him this morning for the cleansing that you know that you need? Will you move toward God for grace? Jesus cleansed this leper with his touch. He cleanses sin through his blood. His blood shed on the cross brings spiritual cleansing. 
cleansing that we could never affect in ourselves. David in Psalm 51 writes of the defilement that he knows deep within. Let me turn there real quick. Psalm 51, David writes this. It's such a profound example of the reality, the sense of knowledge of the sinfulness of the human heart. Here's David who is God's chosen, God's, the man after God's own heart who has sinned profoundly in his uh, uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba, having Bathsheba's husband murdered. David writes this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David knew that there was an uncleanness, a fundamental uncleanness to his heart. And he went to God for cleansing. The leper knew that he was unclean physically. He knew that he was cut off from his community. You may find yourself to be unclean spiritually and feel as though you are cut off from God and from your community. Come to Jesus for cleansing. The leper moved toward God for grace. In an entirely different way, Jesus moved toward God for grace as well. The leper prefigures all who would go to God for saving grace. Jesus goes to God for sustaining grace. So take a look with me at verses 35 through 39 back in Mark. And what we see here is Jesus knowing that he needed the presence and the power of God in his life in order to face the day-to-day reality of his life. Jesus knew he needed the presence and the power of God. He needed to be with his Father in heaven, in prayer, in order to face the reality of his day-to-day existence and the trials that came with it. So let's take a look at verses 35 through 39. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next town, towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now again, I mentioned earlier, it had been a very long and busy day and night for Jesus. And he was tired. Physically, to be sure. Spiritually, probably as well. And he knew he needed to be with his heavenly Father. And so he left Peter's house, where people were probably about to gather again the very next morning. And he went to a desolate place. He went to out into the wilderness in order to spend time with his father. The disciples came after him, and I kind of emphasize the, everyone's looking for you, because the Greek kind of reflects that sense of uh, frustration with Jesus. And when it says that they went out, the, 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 uh, the language there, the word really has this idea of, with intention and uh, with great effort, trying to find him. And then, of course, it's hyperbolic. You know, everyone is looking for you. Well, not everyone was looking for you. They were frustrated. Jesus, where are you? You should be back there doing that work in the town. That's the stuff maybe they were thinking. It's going to make us famous. 
I say that because these were, two of these guys were the sons of thunder. Who wanted to know whether they were going to have the right or the left side, you know, hand on the side in the kingdom of heaven. Right? Jesus knew he needed the presence and the power of his heavenly father to face the demands of the day-to-day life. Was Jesus tempted to seek the praise of man? That's what they were most likely after. Was Jesus tempted to seek the praise of man, to pursue the approval of man, to receive the adulation of man because he could do great things? We don't know from this text whether or not that was a temptation that Jesus was facing in this moment. What we do know from Hebrews 4.15 is that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Now, I I read that verse. I recite it to you. And we are tempted to fail to appreciate the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus is one person, two natures, fully God, fully human. And, And we tend to emphasize, I think rightly, We've we got to keep these things in balance, but, but we tend to really put the accent on the, the deity of Christ. And that it's understandable. For the last 200 years, there's been a constant undermining of, a chipping away at the truth of the full deity of Christ, that he is fully God, even as he is fully man, you know? So we, we think about, man, we've got to make sure that people understand that, that Jesus is God. But let's not forget what it meant for Jesus to also be man. He was tempted. He grew weary. Hebrews 5.17 says, in the days of his flesh, he offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. Those weren't fake tears. It wasn't as though the temptation wasn't really temptation. The suffering wasn't really suffering because he was the God-man after all. You know, the first temptation that Jesus faced, the first one we have recorded in Matthew, so go back and read Matthew chapter 2, at the end of the 40 days of Jesus tempting in the wilderness, of, of being out in the wilderness, after he'd been fasting for 40 days, the first temptation specifically that we have recorded was Satan coming to Jesus and saying, you're hungry, aren't you? Just turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. In that moment, he was tempted by Satan to draw from, and I'm using this word draw from. I'm not saying that his, you know, like his divinity and his humanity were separated in some way, like never the twain shall meet. I'm not saying that. He was one person, fully God, fully man. What Jesus did not do in that moment is he say, no, you know what? In my humanity, I'm feeling a little hungry right now, and so I'm going to draw from my you know, divinity in order to turn this stone into bread. Or, I'm feeling a little tempted right now, and so I'm going to draw from my divinity in order to overcome this temptation. Or, I'm feeling a little weak right now spiritually, a little drained, and so I'm just going to draw on my divinity in order to overcome that spiritual weakness. No, when Jesus was weak, he was really weak. When he was tired, he was really tired. When he grieved, he really grieved. In every way, as we are. Consequently, he is a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness. Jesus was fully God. Jesus was fully man. 
He wasn't pretending to need the Father's sustaining grace. He needed the Father's sustaining grace. And so he spent time with his Father. He spent time in prayer. Verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. What does that mean for us? Well, first of all, it is an incredible consolation to know that Jesus gets it, isn't it? It is such a consolation, it's such a comfort to know that when I grow spiritually weak, which I do all the time, Jesus knows what it is to be spiritually weak. When I'm spiritually weak and weary from parenting, for instance, or from the hardship of work, or whatever the case may be, Obviously, it's not that Jesus knows what it's like to be spiritually weary from parenting. He knows what it is, however, to be spiritually weary in ways that I can't even begin to comprehend. He gets it. He's not kind of out there as an example that we need to try to emulate. We do need to look to him as an example to emulate. But he is right here with us, having suffered and struggled and grown weary, just like we do. It's an incredible consolation that he understands our spiritual weakness. But second, he does provide a pattern for us to receive sustaining grace. For Jesus, it's all about the word and it's about prayer. He refutes the attacks of the enemy with the word. He enters into prayer with his heavenly father in order to receive sustaining grace. For us, it's not, it's, it, we have the word for our private, you know, study and meditation. What a gift. We, we have prayer. We have access to the Father in prayer because Jesus is even now interceding for us at the right hand of the Father and the Spirit of God dwells within us, interceding with groans and utterances when we don't have the words to speak. But we have more. We, we have this time together. We have, when the word of God is being proclaimed, we have the sacraments. We have our fellowship with one another, these things that are referred to as the means of grace, not because they're the means by which we merit grace. We're not street performers hoping that if we perform well enough, God will throw a little grace in our hat. The means of grace are the means that God has provided for us to experience the grace that we already have in Christ. Now, I love God's timing. Well, most of the time I love God's timing. This morning I love God's timing because this is a perfect time to push what Eric was talking about a little bit ago. The discipleship class that's starting next Sunday is all about growing in the means of grace. So everything that Jesus is pointing us toward in terms of fellowship with the Father in prayer, all the means that God provides, worship, sacraments, proclamation of the word, study of the word, and last but not least, prayer are the things that are going to be talked about over the course of the next 13 weeks uh, in that discipleship class. So go for it, guys. Remember this as you go. This is a quote from Pete Scazzaro. I love it. It's so true. You're doing for Jesus. I mean, if you're a Christian, you want to live for God's glory, right? You want to do in the name of Jesus. Your doing for Jesus flows out of your being with Jesus. Jesus knew that. His doing for God, his proclaiming the kingdom in word and deed, flowed out of his being with his heavenly Father. If that's true for him, how much more for us? 
All right, second, let's move on. The movement toward others with grace. First, summarize the first point. If you are not a Christian, move today toward Jesus for saving grace. If you are a Christian, commit today to move toward Jesus for sustaining grace. And now secondly, movement toward others with grace. Look at Jesus' movement toward the leper with grace. Take a look again at verses 40 through 44. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus moves toward this leper with grace. He was deeply moved within him, and then he reached out and touched him. He moved toward him. This word that is uh, in the Greek, that's behind the English word that we have translated here, deeply moved, it doesn't even really capture, there's really not an English word to capture this word in the Greek, which is splagnizomai. It's a fun one to say, impress your friends with. Splagnizomai. The, you know, the closest you get is this idea of his stomach being in knots with grief. And even a hint of anger. Not with the leper, because he's coming near him. Obviously, that's not the case. How about with just the reality of sin in the world? How about with the reality that this man is cut off? How about with the reality that this man experiences great shame? Splagnizomai, deeply moved, Jesus moves toward him. He touches him. He touches him and then he spoke. It's fascinating when you see that, isn't it? Here's this leper coming toward him. Unclean, unclean, he should have been shouting to keep Jesus and the disciples away. Instead, the leper moves toward him, kneels before him. If you will, you can make me clean. At some point, maybe it was I will, and then the touch, be clean. Maybe it was the touch, I will, be clean. But it began, in some sense, before the be clean was the touch. Will we be people who move toward others? We talked about this last week. Touch. Or will we stand off from a a distance, maybe even backing away, shouting, be clean. Put your faith in Jesus. Or will we, like Christ, move toward? Jesus recognized, I mean, his priority was the proclamation of the kingdom, right? We saw that back in verse 38. This is why I came out, so that I could preach in all these different towns. Jesus knew that the proclamation of the kingdom included the demonstration of the kingdom. The healings, the miracles, the casting out of demons were not merely a proof that he was who he said he was. They were a preview of the kingdom, the kingdom of God in which there is no sickness, sin, or evil. He provided a preview of the kingdom even as he proclaimed the message of the kingdom. And here, in this interaction with the leper, he does the very same thing. He moves in toward the leper and he touches him. And the leprosy doesn't come into him. He doesn't become a leper himself. It's cast away. 
It's gone. That is what the kingdom of God does within the realm of sin. Sin doesn't somehow enter into the kingdom and infect it. Jesus the king comes and casts out the sickness, casts out the demons. They're gone. One commentator said, this is Jesus reclaiming the territory of this man's body for the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom does as it goes throughout the world. It reclaims hearts and lives. It reclaims places and peoples for Jesus. Not with sword. We sang that earlier. Not with weapons, but with love and with a free offer of the gospel. What about the movement of the leper with grace? Take a look at verse 44. Verse 44 We see the leper moving. He said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. So that's significant for two reasons. First of all, there's this question of why does Jesus tell him not to say anything to anyone? This has been referred to as the messianic secret. Why would he tell the demons, like we saw last week, not to tell anything? Well, you know, the demons aren't exactly going to be a great testimony to who Jesus is. But why tell the leper not to go? And we get a hint at the end of the passage. Jesus is not able to go into these towns anymore. It's significant, however, that Jesus tells the leper to go to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commanded. Because that was the key for the leper to be restored to community, to be seen as clean. There's this passage, it's in uh, Psalm 69, verse 6. I want to say, where it says that God sets the lonely in families. That's happening here. This man who's been cut off from his family is now brought in. He is seen to be clean, made clean by Jesus. And so Jesus sends him in order to be able to be restored to community. He says, I don't want you to tell anybody about this. He can't not tell people about this. Are we still captured? by God's grace in that way. Baseball season just started. I love baseball. I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. They're going to win the World Series this year. I'm not a prophet. I just got a feeling. But it reminds me, this text reminds me of 2005. The St. Louis Cardinals are playing the Houston Astros. Boo, hiss, because of the cheating. Houston Astros in the 2005 NLCS, the winner goes on to the World Series. This is back when the Astros were in the National League. And it's the top of the ninth. They're in Houston. St. Louis is down. If they don't score, if they don't win this game, they're eliminated. And Albert Pujols is up to bat. El Hombre is up to bat. And he he hits a home run, like a monster home run. Uh, The joke was that if there wasn't a roof on the Astros stadium, it would still have been ascending as the Cardinals plane was flying back to St. Louis. I mean, it was just a monster hit. I was in a hotel room alone. I was at a conference somewhere. I don't remember where. I'm watching this game on TV. Pujols does this. I jump up and I want to just tell someone and there's no one to tell. I may have called Wendy, I can't remember. But I'm looking out, there's no one to tell this good news. Listen, it's a baseball game. This is the gospel. Now I know that as we grow older and as that, that day, the number of days since that day when we put our faith in Christ, first looked to him for salvation, it's the number of days increase. 
there's the sense in which that amazement that we experience then tends to wane. But should it? I mean, should it? When presented with the opportunity to tell someone about what it means to be made clean by Jesus, to be forgiven, should there not still be this sense of, yes! You know, we we sing a, a song, and if I had thought about this earlier, I would have let the worship team know, we've got to sing nothing but the blood. And I didn't think about it. So let me just read a few words. Few lines. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's a way in which we need to continue to have that song in our hearts each and every day. All the more reason to keep going to Jesus for sustaining grace. Having moved toward God for saving grace, as we continue to move toward God for sustaining grace, will we move toward others with grace? Proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, living out the preview of it, that the wholeness, the holiness, and the community of the kingdom might be on display for the world to see. Let's wrap up. You know, there is a way in which this spiritual analogy, if you will, to the leper plays out in the life of Jesus. This, this leper had to be outside the camp. He had to be outside the city. He had to be cut off from the people. He had to shout out unclean, lest people approach him. He had to be seen to be ragged and, and unkempt and disfigured. Well, the same thing applied to Jesus. Jesus went outside the city. He went outside the camp. He went to a hill named Golgotha where the crosses were placed, where he would be as he walked out that way, not himself shouting unclean, but having other people shout to him, unclean, cursed by God. And then he went to the cross, not taking our leprosy, but being counted as one who was leprous that the leprosy of sin and evil might be banished forever. Have you come to Jesus for grace? Having come, are you moving toward others with grace? May it be that we are a church that lives up to our name, a place where people are always, always, always going to Jesus for grace, taking others with us to Jesus for grace, and then going out to tell the good news of the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word and for your spirit. And I pray that by your word and through your spirit, you will be stirring in our hearts. That if you have, that that will continue and that we will flee to you for grace. And if not, I pray that this word and wherever my words have been true, that they would sink deep into the hearts of people and and be carried with them throughout the week and that you would continue to help people see that there is grace that can be theirs in you alone. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.